Hi, everybody. I'm Heather, a 30-year career model and fit model at an exact size six, and I'm writing a book to share tips I've learned throughout the years to help you find your own version of perfect. While editing the book, I'm inviting guests to not only share what works for me, but to share other people's passions and knowledge around fitness, nutrition, wellness, and fashion. And today I'm interviewing Terry Patterson, the sober nutritionist. Terry is a functional nutritional therapy practitioner and a This Naked Mind senior coach. Terry, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for the invitation. Thank you for doing this. So welcome. So I started drinking alcohol in my teens, um, starting out with beer. I'm actually old enough to remember that I... Um, to remember light beer, which was legal in Ohio for 19 year olds to buy before they changed the legal drinking age to 21 for all alcohol. And in my forties or probably even earlier, um, even though I didn't want to admit it to myself, I realized that the effects alcohol was having on my body was not good. And thankfully when the student, which was me was ready, the teacher appeared in the form of Annie Grace's book titled The Snake and Mine, which is about the effects of alcohol consumption. So you've studied with her and I've become a senior coach in addition to being the sober nutritionist, which is how I found you on this Naked Minds coaching website. So to start off with, why don't you tell us about how you became the sober nutritionist and how being sober relates to proper nutrition? Well, first of all, I love your story because, you know, we all do uh, need a teacher in our life and sometimes we resist. And so I love that you found Annie at just the right time for you. I actually became, um, started my alcohol-free journey five and a half years ago before This Naked Mind was a company, I think the book was newly published. And so I didn't have that support, but I do highly recommend if somebody's curious about learning more about alcohol, that's a great place to start. For me, I, you know, was what I thought was a normal drinker for a long time. You know, I used alcohol as, you know, kind of for social fun and, you know, sophisticated wine tasting, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, the more I drank and the longer I drank, the more jobs I gave alcohol is sort of one way I look at it. You know, alcohol suddenly was no longer just to celebrate or for fun. It became, you know, my go-to if I was bored or stressed or anxious, or lonely, or just wanted to avoid having a hard conversation with my husband, for example. And so that was a place where, you know, alcohol suddenly was taking up a lot more space in my brain. And so when I realized that I was drinking more than I wanted to, I thought, well, I'll just do what normal drinkers do. I'll just cut back. And so I tried that for a long time. And it was for me, it was really a place where I stayed stuck for about eight years, trying to moderate, beating myself up, coming back to drinking more, you know, and it took a lot of mental headspace. You know, I was either drinking, thinking about drinking, thinking about not drinking, thinking about when I would drink again. I mean, it was exhausting, you know, and so finally, I made the decision to, um, you know, take a break forever. And that doesn't work for everybody. But for me, having a firm decision, then I only had to make one decision. And what happened very quickly on the other side of that, that was really exciting was that I actually um, had so much time and energy that I took the passion that I'd always had around wellness, and I went back to nutrition school. 
So I was already alcohol free when I went through Nutritional Therapy Association where I studied. And I thought, Heather, that everyone would be talking about this intersection of good health and alcohol free living. And no one was talking about it. And when I graduated and started sharing with my clients, I didn't really have the tools to help them on the journey and they struggled as well. And, you know, really um, for me, what happened was I found the work of Annie Grace and I thought, wow, that's what I would have needed. And that's what my clients could use. And it's not about becoming, you know, sober or abstinent. It's really about exploring the relationship with alcohol and is it serving you on your wellness journey. And so for me, I decided to incorporate this journey of nutrition and overall wellness into my business as the sober nutritionist. So I come alongside people and help them explore, you know, wellness versus addiction. Yeah. And I think it's, it's key what you said about um, is alcohol working for you? Because, you know, I was blessed with a pretty fast metabolism growing up and, you know, I actually don't know if I could ever drink as much as I actually drink. Um, but I was able to drink for years without it affecting my weight. But like I said earlier, starting around in my mid forties, I just couldn't drink wine regularly without it affecting my weight and dragging me down physically and mentally more than it ever had before. So what would you say, what are the general effects of alcohol consumption on your diet or your weight? Well, so, you know, it's interesting. We often think, um, you know, when we look at weight, uh, we think that our bodies are like a balance scale, like calories in and calories out. And really, our bodies are much closer to this complex chemical lab. And so hormones play a huge role in regulating, you know, many, many functions of the body, including weight and a healthy weight. And alcohol really does affect almost every hormone in your body. And so, for example, we see the hormones that keep us satiated, um, and that would be leptin. And we see the hormone of ghrelin, which tells us we're hungry. And when we're drinking alcohol, those hormones become less receptive because of the chemical nature of alcohol and the way alcohol metabolizes. And therefore, you know, we don't just have the same hunger signals or uh, satiety signals. And so that's one way that we can, you know, overindulge when we're drinking. And then, you know, some people drink and then they don't eat. And so we see this connection of, you know, undernourished or almost malnourished for people that are drinking on a regular basis. And that's certainly not everyone, but definitely we see the chemical components of alcohol affecting these hormones. And, you know, we think about alcohol is actually the same component. And this sounds scary, and it's not meant to be a scare tactic. It's just information. But alcohol is actually the same chemical components as ethanol. And that's the gasoline you put in your car's gas tank. So it makes sense that if we're drinking a toxic substance, that this is going to have an impact. And alcohol itself, is not toxic. But what happens is when the body starts to metabolize alcohol, it turns into acetaldehyde. And acetaldehyde is very toxic to the human body. And so we prioritize purging our body of this toxic substance over digestion. And so you can see that as we eat, you know, digestion gets delayed if we're drinking alcohol. And so this also creates a way where, you know, when we're not 
metabolizing food, uh, we can store it as adipose tissue or fat tissue. And so that can also affect weight. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny because, uh, you know, you mentioned not eating um, and just drinking. uh, And I have done that before. I will never do that again. (laughs) Because again, you know, you'd go on vacation and you'd have a, you know, drink or several on an empty stomach. And, and, you know, I could, I could seem to do that, even though I really technically couldn't, but I could kind of do that when I was younger. And, you know, as I've aged, anytime I've, I've drank alcohol, which is for me, is just wine. It's white wine. That's my drink of choice. Cause I love, you know, white wine in a cup, which is sugar and a long, I'm pretty glad. Um, but you know, one of my rules now I will never have alcohol in my body on an empty stomach because I can just feel how horrible that is for myself. Um, So yeah, so as far as sugar, um, the sugar and alcohol, I would say, except tequila or the, um, you know, the uh, other liquors that are really clear liquids, um, they're they're, uh, less sugar. The, and the sugar and processed junk foods, which would you say is worse in regard to sugar or are the effects basically the same as far as sugar and alcohol and sugar and processed junk foods? And then let's talk about why you eat so poorly when you're hungover. So what, what's, what's going on there? Yeah, so great question. So um, there's a couple of things. So we'll start with your first question about, um, you know, what is going on when we eat excess sugar in the form of food and what happens when we have excess sugar in the form of alcohol. So alcohol really is, um, you know, food is, is our body knows what to do with food. Food is made for human consumption. You know, the definition of nutrition is to, you know, eat and nourish our body by breaking down food particles small enough so they can be uptaken through our system and nourish our body and, you know, help our body function optimally. But with alcohol, it's not supposed to be in our system. So we have to metabolize alcohol first. And we also have this, um, what happens with both excess sugar from alcohol and really actually alcohol doesn't have sugar in and of itself like ethanol that you put in your car's gas tank there's no sugar now wine because of grapes does have a small amount of sugar and then we see a lot of additives to other drinks and certainly mixers will bring in excess sugar but when we're talking about straight alcohol you know our body doesn't know what to do with alcohol other than to purge it as quickly as possible. And so we see that blood sugar does take a hit when we're drinking alcohol. One of the hormones that alcohol also affects is our glucose um, uptake. So we see that it's inhibited when we drink alcohol. So this throws off our blood sugar regulation. And blood sugar regulation comes into play every time we eat and also when we drink alcohol. So one of the things that happens is if we're eating regular food, healthy, nutrient-dense, whole food, you know, our body will process it normally. When we are eating processed junk food or things like that have maybe trans fat in them or high fructose corn syrup or, you know, chemicals and additives that our body doesn't recognize as food, then we start to get into a little bit of trouble of how we're breaking down that food 
And does it just hang around in our system or does the body know what to do with it? And sometimes what happens when we eat these foods our body doesn't recognize is we actually, they cross over the intestinal barrier and then they are taken up into our bloodstream and our body throws an immune response. So that's one of the things where we can see eating processed foods and eating you know, additives and chemicals that our body doesn't recognize as food can create this disruption of digestion and how we metabolize food and can create this chronic inflammation that we often see in today's society, certainly in the Western world. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to alcohol doing that, we look at how alcohol, um, you know, um, has to break down through the liver. And the liver is responsible for about 500 other functions in the body, but one of which is blood sugar regulation. And so when we are asking the body to prioritize alcohol over digesting food, and alcohol is, you know, um, it's, difficult for the body to then actually break down and digest food. And so that's very interesting of how that completely can hijack how we are actually processing blood sugar. And so again, the liver, we see it take a big hit to metabolize the acetaldehyde, but also, you know, blood sugar regulation. So it's, you know, it's really um, thinking about food as food and alcohol as more of you know, something that really um, is going to affect every area of your body. And I hope that helps answer that question. Kind of like an interrupter, you know what I mean? Like, so would you call alcohol, you know, something that kind of interrupts the, the regular process of digestion or does that? Yes. So yeah. we don't prioritize food. Uh, we don't digest food. So we probably, if we're, if we have alcohol in our system, so alcohol will get digested first. And mm -hmm. so we see things like people will often say, so here's a good example. Think about this. If you go out to a fancy dinner and you're maybe having a pre-fee dinner and it's very elaborate, you know, and there's some rich food and everything. And maybe we decide we're going to indulge and we're going to have this um, alcohol with it. You know, we're going to do the wine pairing. And as we are eating and our body is processing this food, and then we suddenly add alcohol then our body says, gosh, I do not feel very good because suddenly all of that rich food that would have been digested is just hanging around in your gut. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you or maybe some of your listeners have experienced that. But for me, I can remember going out to eat and feeling like, ooh, I just can't eat rich food. And no, it was not the food that my body would have digested. It was actually the, in, the disruption of the alcohol. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, I've had similar experiences. I know exactly what you're talking about. So what about um, when you're hungover? Why, why are you craving the, the greasy foods or the, you know, pizza or whatever? Yeah, so there's a couple of things that are going on there. And we'll look again at blood sugar regulation. So when our body is, you know, disrupted from blood sugar regulation, we have to if we have too much sugar in the system, we have to shuttle it off to the liver and the muscles and they're kind of a holding tank until the blood sugar drops. And then we have to pull the excess blood sugar, more blood sugar out of the liver and muscle, put it back into the system so that we can function. If you've ever been hangry, right? When the blood sugar level plummets, that's that mechanism. And we have to get the um, blood sugar back into the system. And so that can create a craving for us to eat when our blood sugar is all over the map, right? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things when people start 
taking a break from alcohol, we really want to look at blood sugar regulation to help with those cravings. And it also helps, you know, when our blood sugar is regulated, we don't crave sugar or junk food as much. So that's one of the ways. And then also what happens with alcohol is it does affect our gut microbiome. So Mm -hmm. we have our gut microbiome has those good bugs and those bad bugs. And when we're drinking alcohol, the bad bugs get the upper hand. And so when we are, then suddenly the sugar comes out of our system, the bugs are saying, you know, hey, feed me, feed me, give me more sugar. And so we start to crave these unhealthy foods that are going to create that that sort of feeding frenzy for those bad bugs, if you will. We call them sometimes the yeasties and the beasties are looking for food. And so that can create a really physical reaction of being hungry, right? And then reaching for those types of foods. Yeah, it's so funny because just listening to you, you know, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have even have received this information. You know what I mean? It's just, it's so, I'm so interested in everything you're saying. Um, again, because, you know, it's just the right time in my life to kind of receive this information. And um, it's just, it's blowing me away. Like you just, this is a wealth of information. So I'm so happy you're here. Um, so just overall, if you've got like a, a maybe a general um, summary of how you would say alcohol consumption and food choices affect overall wellness in someone's life. Yes. So, you know, we forget that food is medicine. Mm -hmm. And that is actually, you know, um, if we are eating the right food for our body and fueling our bodies with nutrient dense whole food that our body recognizes as food, then our microbiome stays balanced. You know, our weight comes to that natural place where it's supposed to be. And that number looks different for everyone. And then we also can function optimally. You know, our bile in our gallbladder stays thin and allows us to digest fat normally. Uh, You know, so all of these functions are dependent on eating a healthy, balanced diet. And when we put ethanol into our system and, you know, it breaks down into acetaldehyde, then that disrupts so many different functions in our body. And so we really need to think about, you know, will I feel good in the moment by eating, you know, um, a sugary treat? Um, Or will I feel better if I actually, you know, get some fat and some protein in my diet and eat something really yummy, but that my body actually will use as food and break down into, you know, the proper nutrients to help me function optimally. Um, Because both alcohol and food will affect our moods, right? Um, We can eat the wrong thing and then find our blood sugar plummeting. And then again, we'll get that hangry. We don't eat, we'll get, you know, um, we'll get that low blood sugar perhaps, and, you know, we'll be irritable, we'll be spacey. Uh, And you can see when I work um, with people and help them let go of sugar for a time, much like I do, you know, taking a break from alcohol, taking a break from sugar, um, we see that, you know, we can actually look at a food journal, for example, and see if the food that we were eating actually made us feel good or did not make us feel good. And this is information that anyone can do with a food journal. You know, we can look and say, gosh, you know, so for example, before I got on the call with you today, I had a fried organic egg, some kimchi and avocado, and that will fuel me for a long time. If I had had a bagel and a sweet sweetened yogurt, 
that would go through my system much, much faster. So, you know, when we're looking at our mood stability and we're looking at brain fog and we're looking at sleep and we're looking at gut dysbiosis, all of those are connected to food and alcohol. So, you know, there's this wellness continuum really where people, you know, are either moving toward ill health where they end up on suddenly, you know, oh my gosh, I went to the doctor and suddenly I have four prescriptions. I thought I was doing well. Or we're on the wellness continuum where we're paying attention, we're prioritizing learning, and we're making some changes to help us move toward that optimal feeling of well-being. Yeah, it's so funny because um, I kind of knew this instinctively as a teenager because um, I knew that I never liked red meat, even though my family, you know, they were all big meat eaters, um, especially uh you know, red meat was my least favorite, but I also don't like chicken. I um, still don't. I do eat a little bit of fish now, but, uh, you know, I've always been a special orderer, which drives my husband crazy because he eats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but back when I was a strict vegan, I also have no problem bringing my own food to eat to different events. So I'm kind of used to people thinking that I eat weird or do my own thing. So even though so many people eat like I do now, which is whole food plant-based, um, in any case, our society loves celebrating with food and alcohol. So how do you recommend navigating through parties and social situations being the odd man out who isn't drinking? Yes. So that's a great question. And you know, it looks a little bit different for everyone. Some people um, are very comfortable doing that. And if perhaps they have, you know, kind of like you've been on um, where you've sort of had a special diet for a long time or a different, you know, way of eating, you're used to that. And so it may be less uncomfortable for you. And so everyone sort of needs to take a beat and decide how they will be the most comfortable. Um, I went out loud and proud when I became alcohol free. And I just told everyone, I'm not drinking anymore. It wasn't serving me. And that was a comfortable place for me. But many of my clients and many of the, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to work in some of the large groups with this naked mind and come alongside thousands of people who are making a change. And some of them just aren't ready to do that yet. So you can absolutely fall back on health as a way to make a change around alcohol and just say, gosh, you know, I'm prioritizing my brain health or I'm working with a nutritionist and, uh, you know, she suggested I cut back on alcohol and I feel so much better. And so some people will say, you know, I'm taking antibiotics, you know, so they just don't have to explain themselves. And so it looks a little different for everyone. And I look forward to the day when, you know, taking a break from alcohol looks like taking a break from, you know, sugar for a while or giving up gluten to see how you feel and normalizing it so that people can be comfortable just saying, oh my gosh, I'm not drinking tonight and I feel great. Yeah. But not all of us are there. Right. I think uh, dry January's kind of helped that a bit, you know, because people are kind of used to those, or at least it seems like more people are trying them lately. Um, and another thing, you know, if I'm out and I'm definitely not drinking that evening, I'll just hold a bitters and soda in my hand. I'll leave me alone. And, you know, I, I have no problem telling anybody what I'm doing or not doing. Um, so, yeah, I think what you said is everybody's different in their comfort level as far as, um, you know, how they want to approach it. It's just I think if you come up with what you're comfortable with and, and then just say it and do it and follow through, it just becomes so much easier. It's just probably hard to think about the first few times for sure, because it is just alcohol, 
and sugar, you know, dessert, you know, all those rich foods that we eat out are just, those are social situations, you know what I mean? Currently, that's just the way our, you know, society is. Um, one thing that actually really rang true to me is when Annie said in her book that drinking alcohol homogenizes your experiences. And that really resonated with me because I consider myself an experience driven person. And I was like, wait, I don't want to repeat of every drunken conversation I've had over the years. I want to truly connect with others and feel how I feel in situations without being numbed with a bottle or more of wine. So that kind of, in addition um, to helping me realize how toxic alcohol is to the body is what really helped change my mindset around drinking. So is a mindset, shi mindset shift uh, what you would say is the most important thing in regard to both alcohol and a proper diet? Or if not, what is? Like what's the, what's the biggest, you know, determiner of how you can make changes in your life? Mm, yeah, I love that. And I've done, you know, a lot of work on habits as well because, you know, some of, you know, what we eat and what we drink, it does become habitual. And then, you know, we have, um, other strategies to help take a break and see if we feel better. But I do believe mindset is really important. One of the things that we forget or we don't always consider when we're making a change around diet or alcohol is that, you know, emotion and, is, and knowledge are such an important part. We often think we want to start with behavior. You know, we'll just, I'll just take 30 days off of sugar or take 30 days off of alcohol, or I'll try this diet and I'm going to change it, how I eat. And that can work for a while, but we often find that sort of becomes a willpower driven experience, which willpower can, you know, wear out. And so what we do with this naked mind, and I now share with my nutrition clients as well, is that we really start with knowledge. Uh, and I think that's something that you shared just now so beautifully, Heather, that the knowledge of knowing that, you know, alcohol actually is an anesthetic. And so it numbs those feelings. It numbs those feelings maybe of anger or pain, even physical pain, but it also numbs the feeling of joy and connection and gratitude. And so when you understood that, that helped you, you know, that knowledge helps us with an emotion then. So often what is helpful is, you know, more information and then how do you want to feel? It's not that, oh, I'm just going to take a break from sugar because, you know, um, I'm getting fat. Well, that's not a feeling, you know, it's if you can have an emotion around, um, you know, I'm looking forward to feeling lighter in my clothes. I'm looking forward to having more energy. I'm looking forward to less aches and pains. I'm looking forward to waking up refreshed in the morning. That's an emotion that you can tie with that knowledge and then the behavior can follow. And that often makes a huge shift for people. That is exactly the, the, one of my whole mantras is how do you want to feel? How does it make me feel? Um, and I'm, I'm even clearer about that as I get older. I've, I've always been a bit like that. But yeah, how do you want to feel? How does it make you feel? Even just asking the question um, to yourself about a situation or, you know, or just something you want to eat or ingest to put in your body, it just makes such a difference. How do you want to feel? You know, it's, it's huge. I totally agree with you. Um, so last but not least, I believe acceptance and embracing and loving ourselves right where we are right now um, helps us to create and enjoy our own unique perfect in our individual lives. So this is my favorite question that I like to ask everybody. Um, my last question is, what does your perfect look like? 
Oh, yeah, that's so fun to, to think about that. Uh, you know, I think that for me, I have really embraced on the other side of alcohol, you know, just this lifelong learning and following my curiosity. You know, we often hear people say, well, you know, once you find your passion, you know, then you can be fulfilled. But I really believe that we should follow our curiosity and then it might develop into a passion such as I did with, you know, nutrition. It might not, but following our curiosity and saying, gosh, you know, someday I'd love to learn to play the ukulele. What would that look like? One of my passions uh, or one of my curiosities is I might want to be a beekeeper someday. And what would that look like? Would that grow into a passion? And so I, that's my perfect is to follow my curiosity and discover new passions um, throughout the rest of my life. I also think that helps keep you young. You know, if you're continually learning, you're, you're always staying young. You know, it's just one of those things. If you think you have all the answers, you kind of, you're, you're more stagnant, you know, you don't, uh, you don't grow. You know, it's just it's just an outlook that I think because um, I share that outlook, I think that actually helps keep me young, the more able I am to learn and absorb. So I love that. That's fantastic. So where can our listeners find you? Because this is amazing information and I know you've got a lot more. So so where uh, what's your website and how can we find you? Yes. Well, thank you for that. I am the sobernutritionist.com is my website and I've got a freebie on there if you're interested in five um, healthy reasons to take a break that you can grab. And then also I am Terry at the sober nutritionist.com on Instagram. And I have a Facebook presence as well at the sober nutritionist. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you again for being here and sharing all this info. This was incredibly helpful and valuable information. Um, please consider reading this naked mind by Annie Grace and visit uh, Terry at the sober nutritionist for more where that came from. And thank you all for listening to the paid to be perfect podcast, ask questions or give your ideas for what you want to hear. And please like, and follow the paid to be perfect podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Google, the Instagram account at fit model secrets, and also check out Facebook and Twitter at paid perfect. Stay tuned for more, including info about the eventual book release that shares all my nutrition, fitness, and wellness habits. And remember, you are perfect.